good afternoon. You're listening to Katie and Kay, and right now it's time for Ask the Vet. So I'm going to be bringing the vets onto the air who are um, calling from their office. Hello, are you there? Hello. Hi. Hi, welcome to the airwaves again. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I'll let you take it from here. So my name is Darren. I'm a certified veterinary nurse here at Alpine Animal Hospital. Um, and with me today, I have Dr. Melissa Gisselson. Uh, she's one of the veterinarians here. Um, and today we were going to talk about uh, spaying and neutering. February is Spay and Neuter Your Pet Month. So we figured we'd kind of give you some information um, and kind of go through the process. Um, so Dr. Gisselson, the spaying and neutering is kind of a, an interesting topic in the veterinary world. Um, when we're talking, you know, to clients about their puppies and, you know, it's an exciting time to get a brand new puppy. Um, and probably one of the most common questions is when should we do it and why? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think with COVID, we've been seeing a lot of new puppies, which is super exciting. People have been home and have a lot more time to kind of train train a new puppy and take on that challenge. Um, but, yeah, when to spay and neuter is definitely um, – a question that's asked all the time at, at puppy visits. Um, and honestly, the answer can depend on who you talk to. Um, it's definitely important. We definitely always encourage to say and neuter um, at some point in time in, in life because there is definitely a, an overpopulation problem um, and there can be behavioral changes and whatnot as well um, that can go along with, you know, ha having an intact female or male dog. Um, as well as some health-related changes um, and issues that can come along with that as well. Um, but as far as when it goes, I mean, if if we're really, you know, talking about overpopulation, then the sooner the better. Um, but there are some newer studies that have come out that kind of show that maybe waiting a little bit longer um, can be of a longer health term benefit for some dogs. Um, and cats, most of the time, because they are, you know, smaller and slower growing, we can definitely do it at younger ages in cats as well, typically around about six months. Um, that being said, shelters um, and rescue agencies will definitely do them at younger ages. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, I've seen some dogs that come from uh, rescues that they're like 16 weeks and they're already neutered so yeah definitely I think especially you know when the, the kind of mentality is really when you are seeing that overpopulation on day in and night day out um, minimizing that at all costs is, is super important um, so a lot of times yeah they will um, get that spay and neuter done before they're adopted out um, regardless of how old they are and so oftentimes um, they are being spayed or neutered before they're you know, three or four months old, um, and that that can definitely be okay for those for those patients, uh, because again, I think we're thinking a lot of times about that overpopulation risk, and you know, there's a risk if we send a send a dog or a cat to a new home um, that they're not going to necessarily follow through with that surgery, um, and you know, would be more at risk to increasing pet population. Definitely. Um, and then kind of touching on maybe a little bit of a touchy subject, um, with dogs that, you know, they're still intact, um, what are, I know that some breeds are a little bit more prone to having some issues while giving birth. Mm -hmm. um, so 
the breed-wise, which what are the most common breeds that you kind of see that with? Um, so a lot of dogs that have problems, I would say, giving birth are going to be um, kind of our smushy-based um, dogs, um, especially the smaller ones, um, bulldogs. Um, French Bulldogs, um, typically those guys almost require um, C-section deliveries. Um, they're just not shaped right to get the big bulls out. Um, but, yeah, um, those guys, um, even dogs like um, Chihuahuas um, often tend to have a kind of a larger skull to um, have, you know, an easy necessarily birth. Um, so those ones are definitely ones that we want to watch for. So those are kind of more of those, quote, unquote, higher risk pregnancies. Um, yeah. That try to want to avoid. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that being said, any any dog can have a, a difficult delivery or a difficult birth. Um, and, you know, I think if you're going to talk about breeding, um, there's a lot of things that go into that. There's um, There can be health risks to the mom just throughout pregnancy. Um, there can be complications, um, which is called, you know, a dystocia, where they're having a hard time giving birth. Um, and those guys can often require a C-section, which can definitely be expensive. Uh, and they don't always, you know, bounce back. There's certain things that we have to do differently as far as surgery goes um, for mom and the babies to, to all make it out okay. So we've kind of talked about the little ones. Um, are there any issues that, you know, or even just indications for spaying and neutering these bigger friends and if we should do them later or if we should do them sooner? Yeah. Um, so definitely I think, um, again, I'm still hugely a proponent of spaying and neutering. Um, but when it comes to bigger dogs, I think oftentimes waiting a little bit longer can be a little bit more beneficial. Um, so I don't typically recommend you know, jumping right into a spay and neuter at four to six months of age with our larger breed dogs. Um, typically those guys, you know, we are waiting um, male dogs um, probably more so, you know, around a year or so to kind of let their growth plates um, start to close and develop a little bit more. Um, whereas female dogs, it can be a little bit touchy because oftentimes we want to spay them before their first heat cycle because um, it can be a bit of a mess. Um, and so sometimes that's, you know, waiting until about eight or nine months of age. Um, but some dogs, it is, it can be recommended, depending on the breed, to wait until after their first heat cycle, even with a female, um, and do it closer to a year. Yeah. Um, just as a quick reminder, this is a call-in show, so you guys can go ahead and give us a call with any questions. Um, the number to reach us here is 970-963-2976. Uh, we're here to answer your questions, um, so go ahead and give us a call. Um, kind of going into speaking of the most common questions, um, when we have our new puppy and our new kitten in our first appointment or our second appointment, um, what are some questions that you as a veterinarian appreciate as far as, you know, talking about the spaying and neutering? Yeah. I think, I mean, I think the more prepared an owner can be, um, the better off the surgery is going to be in general. Um, typically, I think a lot of times um, it's thought of as definitely a routine procedure and it's no big deal. Um, but a lot of times it, it is a big deal. Um, 
you know, spays are full abdominal surgeries, um, and they definitely require recovery time. Um, neuters do as well. Um, I think the biggest complications that we see are often because animals are too excited and too robust after surgery, and we don't, we're not, you know, we're not able to keep them quiet and calm as much as we'd like. Um, so. Yeah, especially with puppies. Um, they're wild and crazy as it is. Um, so I think that's one thing that I that I always like to try to address is that, you know, after surgeries, they're going to need some downtime. Um, and unfortunately, that can be up to two weeks. Uh, and that the more active they are, the more likely they are to get things like a suture reaction um, or some rebound pain or swelling or bruising at the incision site. Um, also, um, I know it's, it's not fun for anybody. I hate it whenever I have to put a cone on my own dog, but, um, I think we talk about cones, um, and whether or not that's necessary. Um, and unfortunately for a lot of dogs, it is necessary, um, to wear the nasty e-collar, um, or the cone of shame or the lampshade or whatever you want to call it. Um, but those really do help protect um, their surgical incision. Um, dogs don't know any better to leave it alone, or cats don't know any better to leave it alone. Um, and as things are healing, it can be a little bit itchy or a little bit sore, and their instinct is to lick at that. Um, and unfortunately, that introduces infection um, and can cause some complications. Um, so I think, you know, that's another thing that we stress a lot is, after surgery, probably for a week or so, they're going to need to wear the cone um, to kind of start getting everybody thinking about that process. Um, luckily, now there's a bunch of different types of cones out there um, to make life a little bit easier for everybody. Um, there are still the hard plastic ones, but there's also soft padded comfy cones. Um, there's inflatable cones that are like little donuts that go over their necks, um, all, all sorts of stuff to help dogs from and cats from looking at their incisions. Um, there's even like little body suits um, that pets can wear that protect their incisions. So there's all sorts of things that we that we have as tools to help. Yeah, I actually have never heard of the body suit since mm -hmm. you mentioned that. Yep. Um, yeah, it's kind of amazing how far we've come as far as, you know, what we can do to make this recovery process as nice and calming and you know, as simple as possible for our little friends. Exactly. Like you were saying, it's hard, especially with a puppy or a kitten that's just bounds of energy. Mm -hmm. um, they, and like you said, they don't know any better. So yeah. um, I kind of think of it like if we have a, a scratch or a cut or something and it's kind of itchy, we scratch at it. So Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to leave those alone. Um, I think another thing that has come kind of leaps and bounds too is pain medication. Um, you know, years ago we would do these surgeries and they wouldn't go home with any pain medication. Um, and now we're able to do local blocks of their incisions. So things are numb for a while. Um, we can also send home anti-inflammatories and other types of pain medications. And if they are having boundless energies and they're jumping off the walls, we have medication that we can use for anxiety and sedation um, to make that recovery a little bit smoother for them. Hopefully, making it nice and smooth and as hopefully stress-free as possible exactly. for both parties involved. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, again, just another quick reminder that we are a call-in show. Um, call in with any questions that you may have. Uh, we're talking about spaying and neutering since February is 
uh, spay and neuter your pet month. The number to reach us here is 970-963-2976. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of other questions that we often hear of. Um, ooh, what are some benefits of spaying or neutering as far as like as it relates to um, medical conditions or you know behavioral conditions? Yeah. Um, so one kind of main behavior thing that we we think about as far as spaying and neutering goes is especially with male dogs, um, we tend to see some increased aggression with um, intact male dogs just due to you know higher levels of testosterone. Um, and unfortunately, what tends to happen is actually neutered male dogs tend to pick on intact male dogs. Um, so that can be one thing that we see. Um, but also, they tend to, honestly, when they're intact, they also tend to roam or run away, um, which leads to all sorts of problems, whether it's lacerations or being hit by a car or being lost. Um, there's lots of things that come with that. Um, but as far as benefits go, um, I think that's a big one. Um, but also, um, female dogs, there's a condition called a pyometra, um, which is really um, an infection in their uterus that's hormone-based. Um, so if we are able to kind of remove those hormones, um, they can't necessarily get that infection. Um, and that infection is often can be life-threatening. Um, it tends to be you know, the only thing that we can do in those situations is often an emergency stay, um, and those patients are critical. Um, so their anesthesia is not always as smooth. They require additional antibiotics um, and post-operative monitoring. Um, so they're just more complicated. Um, but, yeah, I think those would be kind of the main benefits. Um, there are other things, you know, dogs that are neutered can't get, like, testicular cancer. Um, there is potentially a lower risk of mammary cancer in dogs that are spayed. Um, there are, you know, other types of cancers. They're finding that if we wait a little bit longer to do their spay or neuter, but we can still do the spay or neuter, um, there's kind of a lower incidence of the, those cancers as well. Um, potentially, not necessarily if we do them at a super young age, but if we kind of wait and let them develop normally, um, it does still kind of tend to decrease their risks. So, um, I think there's a lot of a lot of benefits to it, um, and a lot of peace of mind. I mean, we live in a super social area where dogs are out and about and making friends all the time, whether it's hiking or at the dog park or at Crown Mountain. Um, it's a lot of peace of mind to know that your dog can go out and have fun and meet new friends um, and not necessarily end up pregnant <laughs> um, or dealing with puppies or those questions. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of benefit to that, too. Definitely agree there, for sure. Um, again, just another quick reminder. Uh, we are here talking about uh, spaying and neutering our pets. This is Spay and Neuter Your Pet Month. Um, you can give us a call here at 970-963-2976 with your questions. Um, another question I was kind of thinking about was um, when we talk about the actual procedure of spaying and neutering, um, are there any alternative surgeries? Um, yes, there are some alternative surgeries that um, that can be done, and there's more and more kind of changes to kind of routine surgeries. So when we talk about spay and neuter, um, with a spay, we're doing what's called an ovariohysterectomy. So basically with that surgery, we're going in and we're taking the ovaries and the uterus, 
um, for female dogs. For male dogs, we most commonly, and cats, we most commonly do um, a straightforward castration where both testicles are removed. Um, but there are, you know, some procedures that can be done, like you can do a vasectomy um, in dogs um, where they aren't able to necessarily reproduce, but they still have normal hormones. Um, and there are also, you know, some um, teaching hospitals now are doing just ovariectomies, um, where they're simply just removing the ovaries and leaving the uterus intact, um, which, again, doesn't necessarily, it kind of just simplifies the surgery a little bit. Um, they're still removing the ovaries, which is the kind of main source of the hormones, so there's still no risk of the pyometra afterwards, um, but it's a kind of a possibly a more straightforward surgery. Um, so there are some changes that are going on with that as well. Um, and as far as pros and cons versus those, um, are you aware of, you know, for like a vasectomy, um, is there something that would put that at a, you know, top of the list over a neuter? Not necessarily. I think it's more just um, kind of comfort level for everybody. Vasectomies aren't very commonly performed. Um, okay. So I think it's, you know, surgeon comfort level there. Um, but also, um, I mean, part of it is removing the testosterone. Um, part of the benefits of a castration is removing the, those hormones. Um, although sometimes that hormone is good. Um, you know, it does keep, you know, dogs that are spayed or neutered do tend to be more overweight. So sometimes um, keeping those hormones can kind of help with physical fitness, um, things like that. So I think for that reason, I think a lot of um, – People that choose the vasectomy, that's one of the reasons behind it. And that definitely makes sense for sure. Um, I feel like those aren't super commonly done. No. Um, I, maybe they're still up and coming, mm -hmm. um, kind of in the development. But yeah. Yeah. So I think more and more I'm asked about them. I still have not ever performed one. Right. I was going to say, I don't think we've ever done one here, but nope. never know. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. Um, about that. Um, we talked about a pyometra, uh, what that could be. Um, is there, we talked a little bit about prostate cancer. Is that right? With um, we didn't talk about prostate cancer, but we okay. definitely can. Um, so one of the things that we do see too with um, dogs, uh, male dogs, is prostate disease. Um, not necessarily prostate cancer, but dogs that are intact do tend to develop large prostates. Um, and that can make them more predisposed to infections in their prostate, which can be really challenging to treat and also very painful. Um, it can also um, make it very difficult for them to go to the bathroom because um, it definitely can put a lot of pressure on their colon. Um, and that can lead to many other problems from hernias to um, just a lot of discomfort. So um, there, there's definitely benefits to neutering as far as prostate health goes, too. I just remembered that just because there was, I think, a question a while back yeah. that while we were in the appointment, they were wondering and we kind of talked about it a little bit. Yeah, it's not necessarily prostate cancer, but it's more the prostatic infections uh, that intact males are more prone to. Yeah. I actually have a related question here from the studio. Um, yeah, of <laughs> Yeah, this is just from me, not a caller, but um, I, okay. I'm kind of curious if this is like a rumor. I heard... Uh, I think at one point someone was trying to tell me they thought that if you wait too long to do this procedure on your male dog, 
they potentially could their behaviors that are um, kind of related to being intact could become more permanent as they become learned. For example, humping or aggression, um, those types of things. How often do you see those behaviors persist after the surgery versus like how I feel like that change can also happen really quickly that a dog who humps a lot might just totally stop. Um, How often would you say those behaviors um, change quickly after this procedure? Um, I think that's honestly very hit or miss, um, unfortunately. I think dogs that tend to, like, show signs of aggression, um, I think neutering can always help, but I don't know that it's always going to be the, the cure-all um, to a lot of those things. Um, humping can be a stage that dogs go through, and it doesn't necessarily mean anything other than that. Um, it can almost be a nervous behavior for dogs. Um, as well. Um, But some dogs, um, you know, they do learn certain behaviors, like lifting their leg or marking their territory um, for male dogs is something that often doesn't necessarily go away once they kind of learn to go to the bathroom that way. And that's what they do on locks um, or in some corner of the house or wherever. Um, That's not necessarily something that does get better after the surgery if it's something they've already picked up and developed. Good to know. So do that training. Don't just rely on the surgery. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of things that are behavioral are going to need a lot of help in the behavior aspect as well. Right. Perfect. Thanks. Yeah, of course. How are we doing on time? We have a couple more minutes? Yeah, you've got about three more minutes to wrap up here. Okay. Perfect. Um, I just wanted to make sure. Um, so yeah, there's, I mean, there's still a lot of controversy and it definitely depends on who you talk to. Um, but there are, you know, we used to kind of finish up puppies' vaccines and then kind of get their surgery scheduled right away. Um, so things are definitely changing in that regard to kind of waiting a little bit, um, especially for, for larger breeds. Um, but I would definitely say whatever questions you have, ask your vet at those at those appointments, we're always more than willing to to talk and give our opinion. Um, But that being said, my opinion could be very different than somebody else's. Um, And there is new research coming out all the time. Um, The research that we based a lot of things on, you know, years ago is very different than, you know, papers that were published last year um, that really, there was, you know, a, a pretty exciting article that came out last year that really broke down you know, when to spay and neuter depending on different breeds of dogs. Um, that being said, you can't necessarily take everything from that article as fact and truth, but um, there's definitely some suggestions based on breed. Um, you know, it's not necessarily true if you have a mixed breed dog or um, a crossbred dog like our all of our doodle friends um, that are out there, Which, um, but you can kind of take some things from it. Um, and kind of help guide owners to making those decisions that can that can have lifelong benefits. Yeah. Life with all medicine is always changing. Exactly. There's always new things coming out. And For sure. We discover things. Yep. So. For sure. <laughs> okay. Um, just as another quick reminder, as we're kind of getting towards the end here, you can call in and uh, ask us some of your questions. Uh, we're talking about spaying and neutering. Uh, the number to reach us here is 970 963 2976. All right, and I'm 
hearing your theme music actually just kicking in. So if you have any All last right. comments. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for joining us today and for your expertise as always. Thank you. Thank we'll you. talk to you next month. Yes, thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.